0: Welcome to the West Side Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in.
1: I don't know if you guys have seen this. There's been like a video from 2019 that has gone viral again this week or so. And uh, there's bagpipes in the background. It's at a cemetery. It's a committal service, like a burial going on. And the bagpipes are playing, final goodbye, gravesite moment. And then all of a sudden, they hear this voice coming from the grave saying, like, hey, get me out. And like, like this knock. And everybody's freaking out. They're like, where's this voice coming from? And so apparently the person who had passed away pre-recorded his voice and got them to stick it in the grave during his committal service and like really threw everybody off. And, uh, and I thought that was really... Really crazy, Uh, maybe an idea, but anyways, no, no, I won't won't do that. But obviously, we hear something like that, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's funny, but not funny. It's like I'm sure, you know, worried some people. But that's not really normal, right? That's not really normal in terms of what happens at a burial. And uh, what happens at a burial is very different. There's a finality to what we sense in these moments. Often there's a loss of words in what takes place around a gravesite. Often there's a sense that there's nothing else we can do. There's not much we can do in this moment, but sit with this moment, process this moment, uh, realize its permanence in a human sense. In fact, I think burial is one of the um, starkest reminders of our humanity because it really uh, helps us understand how fragile we are. And we've been in a series called the Journey to Easter, and we've literally the last five weeks just day by day walked through the final days of Jesus's life, leading up to crucifixion, which we looked at last week. And um, today we we get to the day after Jesus's death, and it's it's a day that that many of us skip, because I mean, why talk about Saturday? Like Friday, it's a Good Friday, and there's purpose and meaning and and death to it, and resurrection is resurrection, um, why talk about Saturdays? Many of us skip over that day. Like, the death of Christ accomplished victory over sin and evil. We talked about that. Uh, Jesus exhausted the powers of evil and sin and death. Resurrection solidifies that victory, that, that promise. It gives hope for the completion of God's restoration project that He longs to do in us in Christ. But the burial doesn't seem like there's much to it do we just skip over saturday so i want to read part of the gospel story that helps us think about the in-between day it's luke chapter 23 if you got your bible turned to it if not just listen or follow along on the screen and here's one of the gospel writers telling us in fact this is in every gospel and i've just chosen to read luke today so so let's let's read this for a moment now there was a man named joseph a member of the council a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from a Judean town, Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had been laid yet. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Let's just pause for a second and pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to grab a hold of our hearts, our minds today as we sit with this day that we're going to reflect on, um, this day that sometimes gets skipped over Maybe some are here today for the first time and just hoping to hear some good news. And I pray that today we would get a glimpse of good news even in this moment. And God, I pray that you would help us to be present to you in these next few moments as we've been in our time of worship and hearing scripture and even talking with one another. And so we invite you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think there's several reasons for this story, but I'm going to give you three. So one is evidence. One is evidence for the death and resurrection of Jesus. One is an expression of the gospel itself. And one, I think, is an exercise of a contrarian spiritual discipline that many of us struggle with today. And the first idea here is, is I think, part of the reason why all the gospel writers put this in is that it's evidence. The, The gospels were written to tell us the story of Jesus. And the climax of Jesus' story culminating in his death and resurrection. And Luke pays close attention to the details that would help those who were wrestling with doubts of Jesus' death, Jesus' resurrection, the doubts around that. And so the details are important. In this particular moment every gospel writer lets us know about this person named joseph who happens to be a religious leader among the council the Sanhedrin. he was he was a disciple though he he was following christ he believed in what jesus was saying but he was still part of the jewish council and he disagreed with their decision to, that led to jesus's arrest but now maybe out of regret maybe out of a sense of affection maybe a, a sense of honor He says, I I need to make this right. We need to have Jesus' body buried properly and not left as the Romans might have. So he personally asks Pilate for the body so he can give Jesus a proper burial. We read that he takes the body down himself. He wraps it. He places it in a tomb. Very likely his own tomb or the tomb of his family or how a family would have prepared for burial in those days for various family members. Some other Gospels tell us that Nicodemus helped him do this. Now think about this guy, Joseph. He's risking his life in this moment, in a sense, because he's he's risking his reputation. He's part of the Jewish council that voted, that, you know, part of the vote that kind of led to Jesus' arrest and death. He's risking his reputation. He's risking his career, which is his livelihood. He's very possibly risking his life. I mean, if they kill Jesus, why not go after some of these other people around him? And he did all this just to bury Jesus. I mean, Jesus was already dead. He hasn't risen from the dead yet. Nobody knows that that truly would happen yet. They heard rumors of it. They heard talk of it. They heard Jesus say, but it didn't happen yet. So there was no sense of super confidence in Joseph to say, oh yeah, this is a risen guy. We better make sure. No, this is a dead person that he wanted to bury with honor and dignity. And the evidence part is why would Joseph do this unless Jesus actually died? I mean, why would, we, why would you go through all this, through this burial, unless Jesus actually died? Another, other people at the tomb were women. They were disciples of Christ, people who followed Christ, people who knew Christ. They were observing from a distance. And this is really important for what happens next in the story. And uh, this was great to hear some of the conversation that went on in our Wednesday night group around this whole text. And kind of like figuring out, why did the disciples, why did the Gospels put this... Piece of in all these pieces of information about the women. And one of them, I think, is because they were the first evangelists to the resurrection, and they were the ones who were kind of standing in the background looking at what was happening. And so their placement in that moment in the story, in, in those details, are really important. The male disciples are hiding out in an apartment. The female disciples are out at night, standing from a distance, making sure you know, they know what's going on. Sometimes a woman's curiosity really comes in handy, right? See, that's really good. Sorry, females. I'm, Ladies, I'm sorry. But uh, it's true. I think it's great. Female curiosity helped the gospel stories here. But women are less noticeable in those times. They weren't as popular as Peter or John. They weren't as known, but they were there. And they deeply, were deeply devoted to Christ. And they were willing to risk a little bit to follow from a distance in the evening and see what's going on. And that's so important to know. That shows us that, yes, Jesus died, and that these same women would be there the next morning to see what happens. Matthew tells us that um, the Jews asked for guards to be placed at the tomb because there's been these these rumors that Jesus says that he's going to rise from the dead. So they're like, put some guards at the tomb. Make sure you seal it. And the way a seal would have gone in those days is they would have put some kind of mud type of cement and and just put it around and put a a Roman stamp on that seal. So it's not that the seal was like super glue that you could maybe not move because sometimes we think, how did the the stone roll away? It's like, well, there was this seal around it with maybe this kind of cement, again, mud, with the seal, the Roman seal. If anybody moved the stone, they would know the seal would be broken. And so they wanted to make sure this body's not going anywhere. I don't think they believed that he would rise from the dead, but they wanted to make sure that no one stole the body to fabricate a story that he would rise from the dead. So they put guards at the tomb, puts a seal around it with the Roman stamp on it. And so part of the story is evidence for the first followers of Christ for those that were hearing these stories for those that were being told who Jesus was for later people who would not have been present during that time to hear this it's evidence but it's more than evidence because the burial actually expresses part of the heartbeat of the gospel. We often talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus but when Paul summarizes the gospel in 1 Corinthians he actually includes everything. So uh, Oh, I don't got this. I'm going to kind of pull this up. Well, I'll read it off the screen. So Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 5, if you guys got it on the screen. So here's what Paul says. He's summarizing the gospel. This is one of the most succinct summary of the gospels in Paul's letters and in the New Testament. For what I received, I pass on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was what? Buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Paul summarizes the gospel and includes the burial as the heartbeat of what the gospel is. He doesn't skip it. Jesus died, was buried, was resurrected. When the early apostles proclaimed the gospels, they had burial in mind as well. It's part of what makes the gospel the gospel. In Romans chapter 6, Paul says these words, and they're really powerful words in this chapter. I encourage you to go back and reread this chapter if you have a chance. But Romans chapter, chapter 6, verse 3, Paul says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. There's something important about this because burial means finality. Burial confirms death. And somehow it's really important that the burial of Jesus is known here because it confirms his death, but it also plays part in how me and you come to Christ how we embrace the gospel, how we allow Jesus to lead our lives. Paul continues, verse 5, he says, For we have been united with him in death like his. We will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection like his. Then in verse 6, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin now if we died with christ we believe that we will also live with him somehow remember this last week we talked about this crucifixion exhausted the powers of sin and death no just completely snipping them with no long-term eternal impact and the power over us needs to be broken too As the powers that influence us, as the powers of sin and death and evil influence us, they need to be broken too. So Christ breaks them at the cross, but you and me, we can still be caught up with them. We can still be plagued by them. We can still have our lives totally led by them and ruled by them. So we must become freed from sin and death when we follow Jesus who exhausted the powers. He exhausted the powers and because he did it, we can be free from them too. But Paul helps us understand that when we come to Christ, we die with Christ. When we die with Christ, we appropriate his death, how he exhausted the powers. They no longer need to rule over us. In verse 6, Paul helps us understand what union with Jesus means. When someone chooses to trust Christ, when someone comes and says, I know that my life has been caught up and been plagued and been impacted and been influenced by the powers of our world, but I long to die to that, when we come into union with Christ, something significant happens. And Paul helps us understand that in verse 6. He says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him. That's one thing that happens. The next thing, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. And the next thing that happens is that we should no longer be slaves to sin. The old self is crucified with, sin, with him. The body of sin is destroyed, and we are no longer enslaved by sin. That's what happens when we come into union with Christ. That's what happens when we follow Jesus. And burial, this is a beautiful thing, burial for, for you and me means that we've been baptized into his death. When we see burial language appropriating to us, it means that we have been baptized into his death. His death over sin is our death to sin. And so Paul, right back to verse 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. You ever wonder why... Death, burial, and resurrection is such a metaphor when we when we get baptized. When someone walks in the waters, they die to sin, they die with Christ, they walk into the waters, they're buried with Christ, they come out of the waters, they rise with Christ. Paul tells the Colossian church these words. He says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Burial and baptism are really similar. See how the two images are coming together and they're working together? It's that we are immersed in Christ's death and then that frees us from sin. That's why Paul says we're no longer enslaved by sin when we're in union with Christ. And I I think... See, this is, this is why burial expresses the heart of the gospel. And somehow, even though Jesus didn't rise from the dead yet, even though Joseph was Jewish, even though there was, you know, we don't read the New Testament yet, but I think Joseph is a little bit of a hint, like an echo of what it means to be freed from sin, of what it means to be freed from a life that's, that's, that's influenced by the powers of our world, but led by Christ. Because think about this, he risks so much as a follower of Jesus, He's Jewish. He's part of the the Sanhedrin, uh, the, the council. It's part of his 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 community, his family, his friends. It's part of his career, his vocation, his income. Uh, you know, maybe it's part of his, his identity. It's it's leading up to the Sabbath. The next day is the Sabbath. It's Passover time. It's a very special Sabbath. The gospel tells us it's very significant. You know, all these things are part of, are part of what is, his life is about that weekend. Everything. And this is really important to consider. And actually, someone in our in our group on Wednesday highlighted this is that as a Jew, you need to be ready for the Sabbath, you need to be ready for the Passover. And one of the unclean things to do as Jews is to touch a dead body. But Joseph took Jesus' body from the cross and brought it and buried it. And that risked his participation in these festivals that were happening that weekend and in the Sabbath and in the Passover. And that's why there's a little hint here, an echo here, of the freeing power of what it means to die with Christ because you have nothing to lose. When you die in Christ, you have nothing to lose. The only people who can risk death are those who have already kind of died. Dead people can risk a lot because they're not afraid of death. Not literal dead people but people who are dead to the idea, are dead to the fear, they can risk because they've already died to it. I Remember, this is an odd illustration to insert here, but it came to my mind, so I'm just gonna follow my brain for a second, but the, uh, there's a, a kind of a marketing guru, business guy named Seth Godin, and at the boom, the, the climax of the, of the internet boom in the 90s, he was offered a billion dollars to join a company and uh, he turned it down. And uh, they asked him later, uh, how do you feel about that? And he's like, I feel amazing. And he's like, why? He says, because I'm never going to get offered a billion dollars again. I turned it down once. I already, know the, I already know the feeling. I can turn down anything that's not for me. And I thought, what, what an amazing example of kind of like, he's kind of died to that idea. I don't need this. I'm created for other things. And and this is really important. Once death is out of the way, there's room for life. Once death is out of the way, there's room for new life. And now here's the thing, we want right now so many of us are like, let's preach Easter. Like let's get to Easter. This is resurrection. We can talk about life. Before we get to resurrection, we're going to talk about that next week. Before we get to that day, we must sit with this. We must sit with have I died with Christ? Have I died with Christ? Am I buried with Christ? Am I truly sitting with this reality? Just like they sat with that reality on that weekend before resurrection ever happened. We must sit with this day. And it leads us to this last piece that I think is inside this this short description in the Gospels, and it's exercising Sabbath. Now, Sabbath is not part of the Easter story so much. But it was a big deal for Joseph and the women. I mean, they were, it was preparation day, which means that they were preparing everything so they could stop on Sabbath. They were getting everything ready so they, didn't, they would you know, be able to honor Sabbath properly. Preparation day meant that they prepared quick enough so they could observe Sabbath later and that they could not mess up this special Sabbath over Passover. Joseph is quickly wrapping up Jesus' body. The women are watching outside the tomb. Some gospel accounts tell us that Joseph and Nicodemus um, embalmed Christ. We read here also that the women are thinking about that. Maybe that the women were looking and they just saw them take the body in and they didn't see what happened inside. So they're like, We gotta prepare these spices. The guys are gonna mess this up. We better get this done as well, too. And so we read that they also want to prepare the body. They want to honor Jesus. They want to ensure his body is prepared for burial. They go home and prepare spices, prepare this perfume. But then we read in verse 56. They go home, they do this, and verse 56 is so powerful. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience with the command. They rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Just think about that for a second. Everything stopped for Saturday. Everything stopped for Sabbath. That's hard for you and me to imagine, right? I mean, nothing stops for us. If we're busy and somebody says, can you do this? We're like, yeah, I can make that happen. If we got, you know, uh, an important thing going on or important moment even in our faith and something else gets squished in the way, we're like, yeah, yeah, no problem. We can make that. We're people that get things done. We can squeeze everything in. We just cram everything into a day or into a weekend or into whatever. If something comes up for many of you, I'm sure you just say, I'll get it done. But the the women put their preparation on hold until Sunday. They paused something very dear to them, very close to them, very important to them to honor Sabbath. Could you and I have done that? Could, could, could we actually, this significant moment, this Jesus, he died. We should prepare his body. But there was something about Sabbath that made them stop. Say, no, we're going to come back Sunday and do this. Now, I don't want to get so like rule-based about this, but there's some beauty that I see in this. Because Jesus was in the tomb on Sabbath. Jesus rested in the tomb between Friday and Sunday. And while everyone is resting, God is still at work. While everything stops, God is still able to do something. God is at work confirming and putting death to the powers of sin and death while the rest of them rest. The one thing that's certain about Saturday, the one thing that's certain about this Sabbath is Jesus is still dead. Jesus is still in a tomb nothing can change that and nothing they could have done could change that they could do nothing nothing they could have tried no amount of money no amount of spices no amount of religious symbolism or practices or anything or prayers nothing would have changed that on that day nothing they could do could have fulfilled more of god's purpose on that day god's purpose on that day was jesus is resting in a tomb he's dead that's it and that's partly what it means to trust the gospel that's partly what it means when we say we've put our faith in Christ and we have died to sin. What it means to trust the gospel, it means that we let things die. We just let the, we, sometimes we need to let things die. One of the things that come up on Wednesday, sometimes I need to learn how to mourn things. Maybe ambitions we think we need to fulfill or that we think will fulfill us, we need to let them die. Sins that we think give us pleasure, we need to let them die. Riches that we think give us security, we need to let them die. Relationships we've idolized, we need to let them die. And in Christ, we can die to those things when we die with Christ. And maybe we need to die to the hold of those things. Not all those things are are wrong or bad, but maybe they have a hold on us that is superior over God's purpose for your life. And we need to die to that hold and let them take their proper place, which is not up here, it's all the way down here. Some of them, we just need to let them die and then let him live in us. I'm going to invite the team to come back. And I want us to think about this. Because we are going to come together on Friday and we are going to commemorate the death of Christ. We're going to share communion again in a very special way. We're going to worship and pray. We are going to probably go home. And I have no idea what your Saturday is going to look like. We're going to come back Sunday. We're going to celebrate resurrection. These two big themes death and resurrection. But um, most of us will just kind of do our own thing on Saturday. And here's my question. Here's my invitation for you. What if we let Holy Saturday, in that moment, what if, we, what if this Saturday becomes the day we let things die? The day we let things go. The day of the struggles or the suffering or the sin or the sin patterns in our life or the unrealized dreams or the false expectations, what if, we let, what if this Saturday we let them die? and we trust the gospel fully. And we die with Christ so we can die to our sin and die to some of, those th- some of those things. What if this is what Holy Saturday becomes for us? Maybe we need to mourn some things. Maybe we need to sit with some things. Maybe we need to put ourselves in the, the shoes of Joseph and the women and be like, he, yeah. What, if, what does it feel like for resurrection not to come? And sit with that my son not recently but over the past year he would make these um what do you call them andrew oats like oats overnight what do you call them that oats (laughs) okay that's what they're called oats overnight and so i have i i i've never eaten them but like he has he kind of takes a bowl and puts oats in it and puts a few other things and he leaves them overnight and then the next morning they're ready and he can't eat them right away, he can't even eat them at 1 or 2 or 3 in the morning, but you just got to eat them the next day, and that's when they're going to be ready. Something happens in the fridge, we're not looking at it, there's no video camera there with super speed play, we're just like, something's going to happen to these things, and then on the next morning, that's his breakfast. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And, and he does nothing, all he does is let them sit there for the whole night, and then the next morning, he opens it and he eats it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy. But th- th- this is kind of what happens. This is this idea of just waiting and let things take their course. And this is the idea of also seeds in the ground, right? When you put a seed in the ground, you don't sit anxiously waiting to think about what's next. You don't throw the seed in the ground and then wait there and say like, "Come on seed. You can do it. We're cheering for you." You know, like you, you're not even thinking about the flower that's you don't even you just let the seed sit there. The seed doesn't think about that. The seed's not thinking, I'm going to be a flower. I'm going to be a flower. Because the seed doesn't even know it's going to be a flower. It has to die first, and then something happens, right? And so this is the, the main thing that a seed does in the ground is it dies. That's the main thing it does. And only in the death of that seed will a plant come. It, you, can't, there's no, you can't go from pre-ground ground to life you have to go pre-ground ground die then life it's the only thing and it's only in tr- it's only in trusting the work that's happening underground will we ever see the beauty of life beyond the ground that's that's the only way and that's the paradox of new life in christ that's the paradox of what the kind of life that god wants to give us we cannot make it happen we can, we can work with God as, as he continues to grow us, but that initial uh, walking into the life of Christ that makes all of the rest of life in Christ possible, we cannot do except embrace it and accept it and die with Christ and be buried with Christ. We can only die to the old life and let God bring the new one. God was doing a deep work. You guys can start if you'd like. God was doing a deep work in the burial of Jesus God was doing a deep work on that Saturday, on that Sabbath. And that's what he wants to do in your life and in my life and in our life. When we are buried with Christ. So when we're buried with Christ, that's when we're baptized into his death. That's when we take what happened on Good Friday and we immerse ourselves in it and say we have died with Christ. And only Christ can give me new life after this. But before I ever get to that new life, I need to die with Christ. I need to be buried with Christ. I need to be baptized in his death. And I need to trust that God works in that. And this is the beauty of when we, in our own way, can practice Sabbath because we can learn to know that God's at work even when we're not. We learn to trust him to do things that we can't do on our own or that we can't overdo. So if all you do this Holy Saturday, if all you do between Good Friday and Easter Sunday is wait, that's okay. You're in good company. Joseph did that. Mary did that. Ironically, Jesus did that in the tomb. Waited. And God was at work in the middle of that. Amen. I'm going to invite us to move towards communion. Um, But just let me pray for you before we do that. And then I'll give us a chance to take a few moments with the bread and the wine. And I'll give us some instructions around that. If you need to die to something today, as I pray, would you do that? Would you bring that to God? If you have only flirted with the idea of following Jesus, flirted with the idea of, oh yeah, I'm gonna give my life to Christ, but you have not died with him in a sense. Truly been baptized into his death. Just give you a moment to bring yourself fully to him. Make this decision. Or commit that this week, over Holy Week, as we lead up to Friday and Sunday, that you would just come openly before him and say, Lord, I want you to lead my life fully, 100%, and I need to die with you. I need to die to sin and to the things that govern my life, because I want you to lead them. Would you do that in this moment? God, some of us in this room, and me included, we get so excited over Easter and resurrection coming. And hindsight, we, can, we're just, we just celebrate already what you've accomplished. But would you help us as well learn what it means to sit with Holy Saturday, what it means to sit as Jesus was buried, what it means to wait what it means to trust you to do your work when there's no work that we can possibly do to get what you have to get done and us done. God, if there's some significant challenges or things in some of, some of the lives here today that need to, that we, maybe something that needs to be mourned or let go, God, I pray, I pray that seeing the beauty and power of this day in the burial of Christ, Lord, would you just help us to give it fully to you and trust you for what's next. Trust you for what's next, God. Help us not to try and manufacture or create, but trust you that in dying with Christ, buried with him, you are doing a work that will bring life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
0: Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday. But you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.